0: up today. Uh, I'm not going to go long today. I'm going to be very short and very deliberate with the word, but if you'll turn to Exodus chapter 18, Exodus chapter 18, we've been talking about working together. We've been looking at the makeup of the church and how when God sees his church, he doesn't see individuals. He sees one body. And so when we get that picture, when we get the proper glimpse of what the church is supposed to look like, then we can operate how we were intended to. And uh, so when, when God sees us, he automatically sees you in connection to someone else. He automatically sees you in the role that you play in how you assist and how you help someone else. And so we have to get this individualistic opinionated, Americanized mentality out of our heads when we're talking about the church. The church is a kingdom entity. The church is not a republic. The church is not a democracy. The church isn't built on your standards and institutions. It's built on God's standards and institutions. And so when we grab a hold of that and when we understand what uh, God intended to design and what God intended to do through his church, then his church will be as powerful as it was meant to be. But today we're not seeing a powerful church, we're seeing uh, a powerless church, we're not seeing a limitless church, we're seeing a limited church. The church is today not producing all the power uh, that it ought to be producing uh, in the United States and around the world, and I believe that this deal right here, what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, has a lot to play into it. Because if we don't straighten out and, and figure out what we're supposed to be doing on the inside we won't properly have the right effect on the outside. And so when we get the order and the design and the purpose uh, here within the church, then we'll properly understand what our role is outside the church, and it'll be as powerful as it's created to be. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church. That means none of us are building the church. I'm not building the church as the pastor. I don't care how much you give to the church annually. You're not building the church based on, on your finances alone. Jesus is building the church. It's his vision. It's his heart. It's his design. And we are all co-laborers with him in building the church. And so we've seen that the church itself uh, is not a place you come to. It's not an event. It's not something you do. But it's who you are. It's what we are. It's who we become. And the church, you can be just as much the church here at this address and inside this location as you can be at Target or eating out at Cheddar's or going to your kids' Little League games. You are the church wherever you go. The church has just shown up on the scene. And so we've got to understand that the church is a people. It's not an event or a place. And so when the people uh, get in their assignment, get in their fit, get in their role, and then work together properly then the church becomes as powerful as it should be. Uh, It was funny. Pastor Earl was telling me they had a national day of prayer, kind of like what we had here, and he prayed at it. And um, kind of like what we had here, for those of you that were there, uh, every pastor, everyone that was praying, had a different specific thing they were praying for. We had people that prayed for our military. We had people that prayed for our nation, for our schools. We had people that prayed um, for families and for the church itself. And uh, Pastor Earl said that uh, the pastor that had to uh, pray for the local church, he opened up with a very interesting thing. He said, you know, they've asked me to pray for unity in the church. And he said, I I don't know about you, but that's just kind of awkward that we even have to pray for unity in the church (laughs) among God's people. Why are we having to? Shouldn't that be automatic? Shouldn't that just be, but yet we we have Americanized thinking. We have this democratic, well, I'll do it my way, and and I'll get in where I want to get in. And we have that I mentality, and uh, church is not a me thing, it's a we thing. Church is not a me thing, it's a we thing. It's how do we all work together for the same purpose, the same vision, the same mission. How do we all come alongside each other for the same thing? And, uh, you know, that might be a hard thing for some people to grasp, but it really shouldn't because our bodies function that way. Our, fu- our bodies have many members, many members, yet they all work towards the same goal, whatever the head wants to do. Every single part of my body works towards what the head wants to do, what the head is intend, intending and wants to get done. So when we, when we look at our body and we realize that there's arms, there's fingers, there's hands, there's a, there's a stomach, there's lungs, there's kidneys, there's a heart, and all these things are performing their specific role, their specific assignment, then the entire body is able to perform its overall goal. And so we've been looking at this. Different passages, we've been looking at Romans chapter 8, Verses 5 through 8, you are many members but one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 27 has been one of our key passages. I'm not going to go there for the sake of time this morning. Uh, But we've been looking at them every single week. And we've discovered that the eye doesn't tell the the ear, I don't need you. The hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. The head doesn't say. See, even Jesus can't say to the body, I don't need you. Even Jesus. Jesus, as the head of the body, can't say to the body, I don't need you. Because nobody in this room is performing a function without using your body. Without your legs taking you somewhere, without your hand picking something up, without your heart beating and keeping blood flow to the whole rest of the thing. Your head can do whatever it can think, whatever it wants to do, uh, but it will not perform that function by itself. So even Jesus needs his body to be working together. So look at Exodus chapter 8. I want to wrap this thing up today, and um, I I want to, or Exodus chapter 18, I'm sorry, Exodus 18, I think I said 8, but we want to go to Exodus chapter 18. We want to look at how, we we want to get rid of this alone on your own island mentality. And last week, I, I spoke specifically on the role of the pastor, talked about what the pastor is supposed to do what a true pastor looks like, how a pastor is to operate. And I want to show you today, uh, just as I said that even Jesus being the head cannot do anything on his own. I want to show you today that no matter the realm of power you may have or the position or the fit you're in, you cannot do it by yourself. Our very first message was titled, Deficient by Design. God has made us, created us deficient by design that means you cannot do it all by yourself there is something you cannot do and you need someone else to come alongside and help you do it everybody everybody in the church and so when we understand that then that brings us the question our question should not be do i have a role the question should be what is my role because i have an assignment i have a role i have a purpose what is it How can I find it, get in it, and fulfill it? So look at Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit And all the people stand before you from morning until evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing I... Uh, For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws. And show them the way in which they must walk. And the work that they must do. Moreover you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all of this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father in law, did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every case, every small case themselves. Moses, when he brought the Israelites out, Of Egypt. Brought around a million people out. And here we see Moses was trying to lead. And guide the Israelites. God's people. All by himself. And Jethro shows up. His father-in-law. See the in-laws do have some good stuff to say sometimes. (laughs) His father-in-law shows up and says. Look the thing that you're doing is not good. For you will wear yourself out. And you'll wear the people out. It becomes a tragedy when we get one person trying to do everything by himself. The person, the leader, wears himself out. And the people get worn out trying to all go to one person. And so Jethro tells him, look, you need to set up someone that you can delegate this stuff to. That can work alongside you. And bear the burden With you. What does that tell us? That there was a weight. There was a weight that Moses was carrying. That he was not designed to carry. That happens to us a lot in church. Is we carry weights that we were not designed to carry. God didn't design any of us to do it all. All by ourselves. He designed all of us to carry all of it together. And accomplish the vision that way. And so Moses was going to wear himself out. Moses was going to wear the people out. Now let me tell you how God works. You can go through the entire Bible, and it will substantiate this. Let me tell you how God works. When God wants to get something done in the earth, he cannot do it by himself. We've, we've seen this over and over and over. Genesis 1.26. He has to use a man on the earth In a flesh suit. So here's how God works. When he wants to accomplish something in the earth, he picks one man. He doesn't have a committee. He doesn't have a group of people that all vote on the thing. He picks one man. That man is called a leader. He did this multiple times. In fact, with Moses here, he picked one man. With Jesus, he picked one man. I heard someone say, uh, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he did not send a committee. He sent his only son. He didn't send a board. He didn't send elders. He didn't send a group of people. He sent one person. God always picks one man as a leader. The second thing he does is he gets a team of people around the leader to help and to assist. He did this every time. He picks one man, Noah. He picks one man, Moses. He picks one man, Joshua. picks one man, David, Jesus, Paul. One man as a leader. But the leader by himself cannot fulfill. I mean, even Adam. What was the first thing that God said about Adam? He needs a helpmate. He needs someone to come alongside him. And help him what? Perform the function of... Of the mission that I've given him in the earth. To rule and reign on the earth. And so God always starts with a leader. But then he calls people alongside that leader to help in fulfilling and performing the tasks that are necessary. And so we have to understand this. We have to understand how God works. That the leader by himself cannot do it all. Should not do it all. And we just saw here that there's a burden that's associated with that. But the only thing that proves that out and the only thing that uh, uh, allows that to work properly is by us getting in our fit and in our assignment and coming alongside the vision. See, that's the problem that a lot of us have is we feel that we're only serving a man and we're not really serving a vision. And, and I, I pray that I've done a well enough job in that area, and that's my number one thing is to make myself transparent and get the vision before you, get God before you. You don't serve me. You don't serve a man. You don't serve someone that's over an area of ministry. You serve the vision. You serve the Holy Spirit. I, I, I've said many times that the greatest leaders are first great followers of the Holy Spirit. You can go through the Bible. Great leaders followed God. Terrible leaders didn't follow God. Look at every terrible leader in the Bible. And somewhere along the lines, they served themselves and no longer were serving God. King Saul being the greatest example. Started out right. Started out serving God. And everything was alright. But the second that he forgot that he was in He was under authority to someone. He got out of a position of authority and the kingdom fell. Remember when the centurion came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. And the centurion recognized something about Jesus. He said, you're a man under authority just as I'm under authority. Well, how did he get that? When Jesus makes statements like, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Because Jesus still kept himself transparent. And he said, I'm not here on my own initiative. I'm not here doing what I want to do. I'm not here serving myself, pleasing myself. I'm here serving as the Lord, as my Father, the King, has sent me. And so he made himself transparent. He became invisible in leadership. And so we've got to understand that God's leaders, God's men that he has set up as leaders We're to follow them and serve alongside them because they can't do it by themselves. There's many pastors that get wore out. They get worn out for that one reason alone. It's called, they call it burnout. They get tired and they get weary because they're trying to do it all alone. They're trying to do it by themselves. I mean, that was one of the first statements that Jethro made to Moses. He said that in verse 14. He said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit? He identified you're carrying a weight that you're not designed to carry. And before you know it, it's going to break you. It's going to snap you in two. You're going to break under the pressure of trying to care for all the people. So what does he tell him to do? He says, you need to get people set up underneath you that the people can bring their problems to, their troubles to, and and get that developed to. People that can, they don't always have to be coming to you, they can come to others. You've got to get that set up because the church was not designed to be built on one person. The Catholics believe that. Catholics they literally believe the church was built on Peter based off of Matthew 16:18. And if you go over to Italy, you'll find uh there in uh what's what's the city? The Vatican literally built on where they believe Peter's remains are. They literally believe that, but that's not what Jesus meant. The church is to be built on revelation of the word of God. That's the only thing that can carry the weight of the church. There's no pastor in this universe that can carry the weight of the church. There's no pastor in this universe that can carry all that pressure. That's designed to substantiate and sustain all that weight. And so we've got to understand this in in working together that God has a piece to play and a a role for everyone to play. And I hope over the last several weeks that's what we've begun to understand. If I want you to walk away from anything, uh, with anything from this series that we've just gone through in working together, it's that I have a fit, I have a role, I have a part to play in seeing the vision accomplished. Because it's all about the vision. It's not about a name. It's not about a logo. It's not about a ministry. It's not about an individual. You know, I ask myself often, why are we here? I ask myself that. Why? Not because I'm questioning it. Because I want to keep that before me. What are we doing? Because when we lose sight of why Anchor Faith Church is in Valdosta, then we will abuse. We will abuse the church. We will abuse our purpose because when you don't know your purpose, abuse is inevitable. We've, we saw that. So I'm always asking myself, why are we here? Why is the church here? Why are we trying to raise up and build up a church that is preaching the word, that is preaching the kingdom of God, that will not go to the right or to the left, that will stay clear, that will not compromise? Why are we doing that? It's because Valdosta needs the kingdom of God. Because this city needs the kingdom of God. Needs what God has for these people in this city. There's lost people in this city. There's people that don't know Jesus. There's people that think they know Jesus. There's people that do a thing called church every week in this town. But we're here to bring truth. The sole purpose of the church is to reveal truth. Miracles don't set people free. Signs and wonders don't set people free. Going to church doesn't set people free. There's one thing that Jesus said would set people free. They will know the truth. And the truth will set them free. And we're here to reveal truth. And it's a daunting task. It's a daunting task because to stay with truth means you don't compromise, you don't come off, and you don't fall to the left or to the right. I understand that. Because truth is truth. Every lie is embedded in truth. You have to have a truth. You have to tell something true before you can tell a lie. Satan couldn't come to Adam and Eve in the garden until God gave a command, don't eat of that tree. There's nothing he could have done. What's he going to do? But until God gives the command and speaks truth, then the lies come. Well, what did Jesus, Peter, Paul, what did they warn was going to happen in the last days? False teachers would rise up. Look, if there was never... If there was never adversity against the church, I wouldn't need to be here. If there was never anything out there contrary to this right here, you wouldn't need me. You wouldn't need a pastor. But Paul told Timothy to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort. Why? Because there's false teachers coming that are going to try to get them off of the word. Try to get them to believe something contrary to what the word of God says. And so I understand that that can be a tough task and that can be a a tough assignment. But it's only going to get accomplished when we all do our part. When we all fulfill our role of the vision. And why are we saying this now? You might be thinking, well, there's. Right now, there's not a whole lot to do. We're still young. We're still beginning. We're still in the beginning stages. We're still in the planting stages of this church. But I bring that to you now because as we grow, you'll see that more assignments will come up and more roles will need people to find their fit. And we've got to be able to have a mentality of, I'll do whatever it takes to get the vision accomplished. Not, well, that's not my thing or I don't feel like doing that or that's for someone else or do we really need that person there do we really need that assignment those are all the thought processes that came up in 1 corinthians chapter 12 and we've got to be able to do away with that And we've got to figure out we've got to figure out how to work together as a body and i believe right now that we are in a, a great stage we're in a great stage of this church and i'm excited I'm excited about what God is doing through your lives, the growth that we've already seen. Because Ephesians chapter 4 says that your individual growth helps the overall growth of the church. As we grow up spiritually, individually, it, it, it helps us accomplish growth of the church as a whole. And so seeing y'all grow and seeing you apply the word, seeing you live out the word daily, seeing the word come to pass in your life, that causes the growth of the church. Now, church growth isn't just by numbers, and we're not going to be fixed on that. I have no timetable. There are groups out there today that try to give you, you know, by this time you should have this many people. I have no timetable. It's what God wants to do. And we're going to work to grow this church. And we're going to work to make this thing as productive. But all I know is I want to be successful in my assignment. And you want to be successful in your assignment. And the only way you're successful is by obeying the word of God. If success for this church is 100 people. If that is what God has called us to influence is 100 people but they have grown up spiritually, they are strong, they can handle any attack, and they can be a witness in this city, then we've succeeded. My success is not based upon any man. My success is not based on any uh, natural measurement. I don't look at other churches to see if I'm successful. I look at what God's called us to do to determine if I'm successful. There's other churches, look, There's always going to be somebody bigger. There's always going to be somebody doing more. There's always going to be somebody doing something greater. And if you chase that your entire life, you'll constantly be chasing. You'll never feel satisfied. And you won't be successful because you weren't going after God's plan in the first place. There will always be somebody out there who makes more money than you. There will always be somebody out there who's got a bigger house and a nicer car. But we've got to learn to be successful in God's assignment. We've got to learn to be successful in what God has called us to do. And some of the most successful people that I know are ones that found their fit in a church, in a local body church. You know, some of the most unsatisfied, dissatisfied people that I know are ones that just hop around and go all over the place. They're never happy. In life, I'm not just talking about with church, in life. Because you were designed for church. You were designed for this institution. And the church was designed to be way more powerful than it's appearing to be today. We've become what Paul said. They deny the power. They speak it. They talk it. They look the part. But they deny the power thereof. But I want to be like what Paul said. I just want to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's some powerful stuff. The power of his resurrection. The power that raised the man from the dead after being gone for three days. That's the power I want to know. That's the power. I'm tired of seeing Christians look to each other With the same questions and the same face as the world has every time a tragedy takes place. I'm tired of it. Somebody's got to rise up and be bold enough to say this is why this is happening. But we're going to take a stand against it. We're going to do our part. Somebody's got to do that. We're afraid to answer questions. We're afraid to say certain statements. We're afraid to do... Certain things, and in the process, we compromise truth, we compromise the word of God, we compromise lifestyles. And then we try to redefine. Look, I'm telling you right now, the world is waiting for the church to rise. They are waiting for us to rise up to our standard and to the level that we know we can live at. They're waiting. They're waiting for someone to stand up and say, that's not right. They're waiting for it. They're waiting for someone to say, those two people shouldn't be married. Waiting for someone to say, you can't take that person's life. The world is waiting. And God is waiting for his church. God is waiting for his church. I've got a message for next week that I want to minister on the authority of the church. I want to talk about authority. Because there's been a misunderstanding of authority that has crept in the church where I don't know a lot of Christians that speak directly to the devil anymore. They just pray to God and hope God does it for them. But if you properly understand the word of God, you won't find that in the scripture. You won't find it. It says rebuke the devil. Submit to God, and He will flee from you. There's nothing in that verse that says pray to God and hope He'll take care of it. But today, the church doesn't understand that kind of power and authority. So these are the things we've got to get clued in on. These are the things that is 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 going to cause us. And like I said, th- there are people sitting in in other church services knowing there's something more. Anyone ever been there? There's something more. There's more to this Bible. There's more to these scriptures. There's more to this. There's something else. And we want to bring that more. We want to bring the more. Amen? So I hope over these last messages, these last few weeks, that we've gotten some clarity on that and and some understanding. I've had several people come to me that have begun to get spurned in their hearts saying, you know, what, what is it we can do? What can we do? And I've just let them know, look, this is... This is a a, a preeminent deal. This is, uh, I'm putting this out there before we get there. I'm I'm not a reactive kind of person. I'm a proactive kind of person. And I don't want to react to growth. I don't want to see a hundred people come in here and then we don't know what to do with them. I want us to know how to fulfill an assignment, how to carry a vision, how to become transparent and just work together in can't we all just get along, right? Isn't that the song? And I tell you right now, you're a blessing to my wife and I. You are a blessing to my wife and I. The way you serve, the way you support, whatever's necessary, whatever needs to get done. You're bringing ideas, and we love them. It's great. We may not take every idea and run with it. But God has given y'all gifts. God has placed abilities and gifts and assignments within the body as it pleases him, and you need to do it to please him, but you know I'll be honest, my wife and I are pleased <laughs> we're pleased as well, and when we're in our fit when, and when when we are in our assignment, it pleases the father and so I'm excited to run this course I'm excited to carry on I'm excited to pursue the vision with where we're at and there's a lot that's in us. There's a lot that we want to do, and we just had to sit down a couple months ago and just realize we are still in plant mode. We're still there, and we'll come out of that. You know, I mean, the, the, the statistics say anyways that you're not really substantiated as a church until five years. and So we got some time, but we're going to make influence in this city. We're going to make influence in our communities. People are going to know who we are not because of a logo and a name. They're going to know who we are because we're going to be light in darkness. And light doesn't hide. You can't put light away. If you're lit up, you're shining and you're leading people to Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you this morning for the word of God. We thank you for this time that we have to come together. I pray a special blessing over every person in this room. Everyone that, has a, that is a vision partner with us. That is a member of what you're doing in your body. And Father, we don't take that for granted because we're serving you wholeheartedly. We're serving you as it pleases you. You have placed us in our fit and in our assignment and we are thankful. We are so thankful that we get to be a part of your body because of what your son Jesus did coming to this earth, dying on the cross rising again. He made available for us to live the kingdom life, to live the life and be the church, not just do church. Father, may this not be a religious practice. May this not just be something we do ritualistically, but may this be something that is in our hearts, that we love to do, we're designed to do, and we carry that purpose with everything that's within us. Father, I pray a special blessing over every family here. And as they seek first the kingdom of God, as they place you and make you a priority in their lives, I thank you that their lives are blessed to overflowing. They have everything that they uh, need of, everything that uh, is required for their purpose and their assignment. You bring it to them. You supply it to them. I thank you that our marriages are blessed. Our homes are blessed. Our children are blessed. Our jobs are blessed. Everything we put our hand to, it prospers. We thank you for that this morning. I thank you for the vision that you're accomplishing through this church. I pray that we will be submitted to your authority, submitted to your word, and submitted to your vision. We won't try to do our own thing. We put off our agendas. We put off our our ideas and what we want to do, and we just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we'll be successful in that because we seek you first in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen.